Welcome back gamers. You're tuned into Would You Gaming, your premier stop for all things gaming. Today's session is a fun ride through last year's biggest releases that took our breaths away and left our joysticks smoking. So let's jump right into the action-packed year that was 2023. Despite the layoffs and E3's cancellation, the year was a game changer for game releases, surprising us with remasters, remakes, and brand new titles. And IPs. Remember a few episodes back when we were struggling to keep up with an avalanche of new games each month? Yeah, it was a busy time for sure. Before we dive into our list of 2023's unforgettable games, we want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's tuning in, whether you're tuning in for the first time or a regular listener. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok to stay up to date on all the latest episodes and news. Also, rate, comment, and share our podcast. With your fellow listeners and fans, now let's fasten our seatbelts and ride straight into the exhilarating world of gaming in 2023. First title I want to discuss was Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Starting with this title, it was soon to be the game of the year, and in a less packed, less stellar, less Baldur's Gate 3 year, it might have happened. Tears of the Kingdom took Breath of the Wild and cranked it up to 11, adding in two additional maps, a building mechanic, and was just overall a better Breath of the Wild. The story was much more front and center, something I greatly appreciated. The Sage abilities were a step up from his predecessor, and fusing items to create specific arrows was way better than having a finite number of each and needing to buy or farm them. The durability of weapons being fixed with the fusing was by far one of my favorite things about this. The ability to traverse the world with vehicles made out of Zonite devices never got old, though their timer timers were still a little annoying. The building mechanic was one of the biggest changes to the gameplay loop, and it helped to add some variety to the game. I never beat Breath of the Wild myself, but I barely put down Tears of the Kingdom until I'd finished the story. Exploring the depths in the Sky Islands are some of the highlights that I can remember trying to explore every nook and cranny for the inevitable secret. These are just some of the reasons I am still enamored with this Zelda experience and need to go back and finish some of those side quests and sometimes in the future, time permitting. Next up, I did a whole episode on Sea of Stars and gushed over how great the game was. Yeah, how great the game was, music, combat, the whole shebangabang. I still look back on the title fondly wondering if I'll ever go back for the one trophy that I need to get the platinum maybe one of these days. It's a title that I will likely remember fondly for a long time. It scratched a retro RPG itch I did not know that I had. The world building, characters, environments, and of course the soundtrack were truly something special. The combat is an interesting take on turn-based action combat, distinguishing itself from other turn-based games. There are some difficulty spikes, but it made it but I made it through most of the battles easily enough. It wears its inspiration for older games on its sleeves and left me wanting more. Sea of Stars holds a special place in my heart, and not just because Encounter hits so hard either. Encounter being the boss music for the boss battles, you have to go and listen to the metal rendition of that on YouTube. It's, it's just top tier. That and Jungle Path or Mountain Path, whatever it was, yeah. The metal version of those are just... I, I, I had those on my playlist on Apple Music, and I listen to them regularly. It's exciting to play and experience firsthand. I highly recommend it to anybody who has not picked this title up. Give it a shot. I think there's a demo for it, even. I picked the title up 
after seeing nothing but stellar things online, and the rest, they say, is history. It is one of the best games of 2023, and as a smaller title, it is not AAA, nor does it even cost $40. That's saying something amongst all the other juggernauts of last year. It's a strong JRPG contender. It deserves every bit of praise that it receives. We can only hope that we get a sequel at some point in the future, and I am sure it will only build upon the foundation that many have loved thus far. Moving on from that, in a year stack full of JRPGs, a more traditional turn-based RPG being one of my favorites of this year might be surprising to some. Octopath Traveler was a masterpiece, and I remember loving the combat along with every other aspect of this, so the sequel was an immediate pickup for me. Octopath Traveler 2 took the formula of the original and added on to that, adding even more ways for you to strategize. The sequel was a bigger and better version of the original in almost every way. Liking the original is not a prerequisite to enjoying this game, but it does go a long way towards saying that you will like it. Likewise, you don't need to have played the original in order to play this because the stories are largely different. They are tied together in some ways, but they're very intricate, and you can play the sequel without ever having played the original, though I recommend both. The cast of characters changed, telling us the tale of eight different traveling companions in a different time period as well. We follow the travelers as they each face their own path, eventually intertwining into one story. It fixes an issue of the original in this regard, as there was a secret in-game boss that tied all of the original protagonists together but nothing like what it does in Octopath 2. There is a true in-game story and boss that becomes available once certain things are done. It takes a bit of legwork in completing all other Traveler's stories, but it is well worth it if you want to see the entirety of the story. Combat shines bright with its familiar breaks, fully charging attacks, and the over-the-top attacks you could expect from a Square Enix title. Music stands out as some of the best around with Particio's theme living rent-free in my head. Beautifully composed music is atmospheric and helps to bring characters and scenes to life. The world seems overall dark with your characters offering a, a glimmer of light and hope in this otherwise downtrodden world. It truly has it all and, there are just a, and these are just a few of the reasons that it holds that I hold it so dearly and that even after nine months after playing the title that I... I remember it so fondly. I have played a handful of entries in the Star Ocean series, and they range from just okay to phenomenal, such as Star Ocean 2. I was lucky enough to have played the original Star Ocean second story way back on the PS1, lucky enough to have picked it up at a flea market, and from that, and for that pickup to be a diamond in the rough, unlike a well-known garbage Dragon Ball GT game that I picked up from the same flea market during that era. When a remake of the first Star Ocean title was announced, I could only hope that the second title that I love so much would eventually get the same treatment and its time in the sun. Alas, that was not the case. It got an even better release as updated graphics, gameplay, mechanics, music, and quality of life features you would want to see on a game that is over 20 years old. When Star Ocean's second story R released, I knew I wanted to pick it up. I was trying to force myself to play through Lords of the Fallen on PS5 at the time, but that didn't take finally given me an excuse to pick it up. I did not put the game down for anything else, if I remember correctly. The same gameplay loops and game that hooked me as a teen did the same to me as an adult. I spent an unhealthy amount of time crafting, battling, leveling up skills in order to enact with super specialties in an attempt to break the game. 
eventually did get to a point where none but the most powerful enemies could kill me, but it was much later in the game and I refused to make the game too easy on myself too early. Star Ocean Second Story R is exactly what I was looking for in this entry remake. It told the same story I loved, but made sure to freshen things up enough. Character sprites stood out more, environments were much more detailed, and combat was given its own overhaul, adding in the ability to counter. Claude and Raina's tale hold a special place in my heart. I'm glad we are seeing some of these older titles making a comeback. I, I really enjoyed Star Ocean Second Story R. I can't say enough good things about it. I only played through Raina's Tale in order to recruit Diaz. You can't recruit every character under each of the characters, so it does force you, if you want to see everything, you're going to have to play through the game multiple times from different perspectives. And even then, if you want to recruit other characters, you may have to play a third or fourth time. There's like 60-something-odd strange endings for this, so there's a lot to do. Moving on from that, Armored Core 6, one of the most difficult titles I spent time with this year, is an entry in a franchise I have played little to no games in. Armored Core is one of From's older IPs that they seem to be intent on revitalizing. As a fan of all the all things Gundam, Mecha, and Giant Robots, I think it's a good thing. As you'd come to expect from From Software, the game is tough as nails, offering replay ability. Despite not being an overly long game or experience, the longevity comes from multiple playthroughs, struggling through tougher encounters, and experimenting with different components and builds until you find out what works for you. The gameplay loop is very engaging, allowing you to zip around battles, dodging enemy fires, returning when you have an opening. It can be frenetic and fast, oftentimes difficult to keep up with if you make the mistake of blinking. It's like a battle in a Souls game cranked up to 11 Given that you're moving at much faster speed, utilizing bursts to stay airborne or to strafe in air on the ground, it can be incredibly punishing if you make a mistake, but that much more rewarding when you finally overcome an enemy that has been giving you fits. The game did very well from a commercial perspective and won Best Action Game of the Year at the Game Awards, so it's safe to say we will see more Armored Core titles in the future. I need to go back and finish the last part of the game. I got stuck on something, as often happens in these tougher games. There were times I wanted to give up and had to research ways to overcome an enemy. It is funny that often changing up the play style is all it took to overcome an obstacle. It wasn't necessarily difficult. If you have the right tools for a job, you can handle it quite readily. As a kid of the 90s, I grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons before our government in its infinite wisdom saw fit to do away with them in lieu of more educational content. During that era, I loved watching Batman, the X-Men, and of course Spider-Man. Spider-Man in particular was one of my favorites, with Venom being one of the main draws of, to me as a young man. All this being said, you know I had a blast with Spider-Man too. I did not go as crazy as I did with the original when that first came out because I got the platinum for that and did everything, not this time around, the year's too full of games for all that. Spider-Man's two stories, nonetheless, started off with a bang, allowing the devs to show off all the bells and whistles they could add by making it a PS5 exclusive. Switching between Miles and Peter is lightning fast and still kind of crazy to me. There are new abilities for both characters and the ability to traverse the world through flight, more or less. Brooklyn has been added, giving you another map to explore, as well as extending the gameplay further for those who want to get every drop of content they can out of the game. The game has some hinky bugs that I experienced, but they did little to diminish the game overall, honestly giving me a chuckle here and there, if nothing else. 
The whole time I played the original Spider-Man, I kept wondering when I was going to get the symbiote suit, and that moment never came. Seeing the post credit scene in the first game explained why, and Venom being an integral part of Spider-Man 2's story, had me excited, as excited as a kid as Christmas. I love that so early on we see the symbiote, and then of course see the natural progression of things that always happen when a symbiote is evolved. Seeing Peter take on the symbiote, it clouded his judgment, and then its removal and Venom's forming being fan service at its finest. I was excited to see where the story goes with the next game entry and cannot wait to take on Carnage in the future. Moving on from a AAA blockbuster title to a more budget indie title, Vampire Survivors is a very addictive game, albeit not graphically impressive. It will hold your attention and keep you playing run after run for hours on end if you're not careful. It is a game that you can pick up and play and put down if you have the willpower, that is. I do not have said willpower, as every time I sit down, there goes my evening. It has an addictive nature that has me leveling up, picking up new powers and weapons, finding interesting new combinations to deal with the hordes, and evolving weapons. The gameplay is simple enough as you simply move around as the game auto-attacks with your character's weapon. Whenever you level up, you get to select from three different power-ups. One could be a new weapon or an item that buffs you in some way. Some items and weapons synchronize together and after fully leveled up can be transformed by picking up a chest if you're fortunate enough. There's so many combinations and half the fun is unlocking new characters and weapons. There are only a handful of stages and there's DLC and it's not overly expensive being less than $15 for everything. You can play with up to three other people making it over the top and there's a lot going on on screen. It can be very chaotic, but a lot of fun, even in a solo playthrough. Most areas have a 30-minute timer, and once that happens, death shows up. You can beat death if you do the right things and get the right power-ups. I have yet to do that and nowhere near done with this game. Vampire Survivors is the most addictive multiplayer game of the year, without a doubt. Finally, we discuss a game that wasn't even on this list to begin with. Guess it's a good thing I am three months late at this point putting this out or surely would not have made the cut, a title from a relatively unheard of studio based on an old children's tale. Lies of P takes the telling of Pinocchio and puts it in what I would consider old Yarma Bloodborne for the uninitiated. I am a fan of Souls titles and like to think I play my fair share of From Software titles and other studios trying their hand at the genre. Lies of P surpassed all expectations I had for the game, kept me up late on weeknights, Interfering with my circadian rhythms, depriving me of much-needed sleep. You know you have a good game on your hands when you're sitting up late and you're telling yourself, okay, just 10 more minutes, let's explore this area and make it to the next, next bonfire checkpoint. Uh, I forget what they're, the stargazer flower in this one. Let's make it there and we'll call it a night. Lies had this effect on me and I knew it was a hit within my first 30 minutes of playing. The bosses were challenging in areas with some taking more attempts than overs others to overcome. There were some patches that made some bosses much easier than they were at launch and it's likely fortunate for me as I found a challenge in most of the boss fights as it was. The combat felt just right and compelling. Parrying timing was very difficult to pick up but intuitive enough to repeat once you got the hang of it. Unlike titles like Lords of the Fallen, areas were not overly populated with enemies. It just felt right and weapon abilities were awesome. The weapon I used for the majority of my run shot out a shockwave that would travel a bit of a distance, stunning some of the enemies. Lies of P's is 
hands down my favorite game of 23 and 23. I just finished the title the other day due to being swamped with life in general. I cannot recommend it enough to people who might like souls like titles and want another challenge atmospherically is bloodborne, but gameplay wise is so much more along with weapon abilities. You also have your left arm, which is a puppet arm that can be changed, adding another tool to your arsenal to help you further differentiate your attacks and deal with enemies. My choice of weapon was the puppet string, which initially would draw enemies towards you. After you upgrade, it would allow you to zip over them, and the final upgrade allowed you to zip over them and do a dive bomb attack. The puppet string helped me to beat several tough bosses more times than I care to admit. Story is cohesive and easy to follow. Environment invokes horror elements, which makes me enjoying it and sticking it out all the more surprising. And combat feels perfect. Liza P is easily my favorite title of 2023 and has excited me for a sequel and follow-up in the future as there is likely going to be one given the post credit scene and the success of this title. Wanted to mention a couple of the honorable mentions. Titles that did not make it on this list. Honorable mentions include Jedi Survivor. Much better than the original heavy and blaster stances change up the game fundamentally. Always love lightsaber battles and this scratches that itch and gives an interesting story to tie it all together. The gameplay map Story and everything seems to be better this time around. And all the reasons not on the list is I felt there were other games that stood out a little bit more. Not to say it's not a good game or even a great game to be mindful. It's just, it's not on my list. Final Fantasy 16, it's a masterpiece story, music, and gameplay wise. It's up there for me, but I've put out a whole other love letter to this game already in an episode go back and listen to that if you've not already nothing but good things to say about this title but i feel i've said enough about it and to say it again here would just be repeating myself it's one of my favorite games of this year as well but putting it on the list would just be regurgitating those same talking points as i said metroid prime remastered they did an excellent job of bringing this up to par on the switch quality life improvements for forty dollars it's, it blows my mind that it's that cheap. It makes no sense, but it's much more fun than I ever remember. Maybe due to the upgraded controls. Love the experience, music, combat, revisiting of the first Metroid, one of the first Metroid games I ever beat. Beat this earlier this year, but such tough competition. It's not fair to even compare it. It's an excellent title nonetheless. Cyberpunk 2077, of course, did not release in 2023, but it had a resurgence. One hell of a comeback story, being marred with bugs and issues on launch now on current gen, it's a masterpiece. Added content, new DLC, new ways to play, an already phenomenal game. It's good to see it in the shape it should have been at launch, and it is oh so much fun to play. Well, that's about it, that all I had for you guys. I, I hope you enjoyed this list, and I did. if, if I did miss anything that I, you think should have been on the list, let me know in the comments or below. Give us a comment. Let us know. I can't play everything. There is plenty I wasn't able to play this year. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok to stay updated on our latest episodes. Also, rate, comment, and share a podcast with fellow gaming fans and listeners. Anyways, until next time, peace.